We've begun each Sunday with a question, so uh, let's just keep going with questions, okay? Uh, This should be no exception. Have you noticed that most of the prayers that we pray fall into one of two categories? Tell me if if you don't uh, find this to be true. Uh, Usually one of the categories of things we pray about is pain avoidance. Uh, Lord, this hurts and is painful. Please make it stop. Amen. And and there's some form of uh, pain that we or someone we care about is facing. Uh, Lord, my head is pounding. Please help the medicine to work quickly. Lord, this relationship is painful. Please help it to improve. Uh, Lord, my arthritis is flaring up. Please make it go away. One category, or a second category that we tend to pray about is, Lord, change my circumstances. (laughs) Lord, I don't like this situation. Please change my circumstances. Amen. And then we plug in. Uh, Lord, my boss is a jerk. Uh, Please remove him or her from my life. Uh, Do I get an amen? Uh, Lord, yeah, that's a problem if you're the boss, isn't it, Myron? Lord, I've got big plans next week. Please adjust the rain or the snow forecast, depending on the season. Lord, my bills are piling up. An inheritance or a lottery win right now would be helpful. Amen. Question this morning, the real question is what if the issues that we usually pray about are really not the core, essential, key life matters that we should be praying about? What if the things that we normally pray about, Lord, please make this pain go away, amen. Lord, please change my circumstances, amen. What if those really aren't the lasting, eternal matters? that we really should be praying and focusing our prayers upon. This morning we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul prayed specifically for the church at Ephesus. But I want you to know this is also how he prayed for the church at Philippi and how he prayed for the church at Colossae. This really is what we're going to look at the heart of what Paul prayed about. And what I'm suggesting to you today is we should take a clue from what Paul prayed about and make that the core essential thing that we're focused on when we pray. Uh, Locate the book of Ephesians uh, in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1 or Ephesians chapter 1. Look that up on your phone, and if you're able, would you please stand with me? And please, as we read, starting with verse 15 to verse 20, would you pay attention? What is Paul praying about? What is it that that is his focus and his priority as he prays for the church at Ephesus? Let's uh, read out loud together. Here we go. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Let's pray. Lord, that's, uh, first of all, big, oftentimes dense words to understand what it is that Paul wrote down, inspired by your spirit. So, first of all, we need your help, Lord, to understand exactly what Paul was praying about. And Lord, I pray we'd go far beyond just understanding. Lord, help us to move far beyond just getting more facts about the subject of prayer on our hard drives. The the truth is, uh, we know far more about prayer than we're actually putting into practice right now. That's true for almost every one of us. So Lord, would you help us to go uh, to that step of actually putting it into practice? Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. And that only happens as you come and speak and nudge and convict and teach us. So, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray about the things that are critical and a priority and essential for our lives and the lives of the folks that we care about around us. Lord, would you help goofy Jeff to get out of the way today because the truth is Lord we need to hear from you so uh, we need to hear from the king of the universe we pray that your spirit and your word would have freedom to nudge and do whatever it is we need done in our hearts and our lives today and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice and be seated. Before we charge into Paul's prayer, I want to show you the setting. So if you have your Bible or on your phone, go to chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Because I want you to understand, as Paul writes these words, what's going on? What's the setting? What's the situation while Paul writes what we call the book of Ephesians? And the setting, according to verses 19 and 20, Paul is sitting in a prison cell. He's chained to a Roman guard. Got the picture? The Apostle Paul has been arrested. He's waiting trial. And uh, eventually it's not going to go well for Paul. But he's waiting, and while he's waiting, he writes the book of Ephesians. And I want you to note something. Paul never asks the church at Ephesus, his friends in Ephesus, he never says, pray that I'll get a fair trial. Now, if you were sitting there and you're waiting trial and you're chained to a prison, prison guard, um, a Roman prison guard, uh, wouldn't you say, pray, pray that I'll get an honest judge? Pray that my lawyer is very effective. Wouldn't you be asking uh, uh, church at Ephesus, pray that they'll start bringing me better food because this food is awful. Uh, Pray that the air conditioner gets fixed because I'm burning up here in this cell in Rome. It's really hot. Praise none of those things. 
Never asks for any of those things. Instead, look at verses 19 and 20, Ephesians 6. He says, pray, church at Ephesus, that I might fearlessly be bold for Christ even while I'm in chains. (laughs) Did you catch his prayer request? Don't pray that my circumstances will change. Pray that while I'm in this hard circumstance, I'll be bold and speak fearlessly to these pagan Roman guards who desperately need to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. (laughs) That's his request. A couple thoughts. First, wow, does he pray differently than we usually do. We're usually, Lord, please change the circumstance. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm in pain. I don't like the future. It's looking bad. It's looking poorly. But secondly, when is the last time you asked someone to pray for you while you were speaking to someone about Jesus? And, and oh, by the way, while I'm at school, while I'm at work, while I'm in the neighborhood, would you pray that I'll be bold and fearless while I share Christ with the people around me? I, I won't ask you, but I just wonder how many of you have recently asked someone to pray for you in that way. And I'm just telling you, this is kind of foreign. These are not normally the things that we pray about. Now let's go back to what we read. That's the setting. That's the situation. Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm not going to take the time to show you, but the heart, the, the, the key thought, and you can see it better in the original language, and I'm not going to tell you why. Just trust me, here's the key thought in that prayer that we read. Look at verse 17. He says, I keep asking that idea, meaning this is what Paul prays for the church at Ephesus over and over and over again. So whenever I pray for you, church at Ephesus, This is the thing that I keep asking the Lord for you about. And the idea for us is we would do the same. Keep asking. Don't give up. Keep keep praying about this. And what is it that Paul keeps praying about? Last part of verse 17, that you might know him better. You might want to underline that because that's the key idea in all of Paul's prayers. That you might know Jesus better. That's the hymn. I pray, church at Ephesus, that you might come to know Jesus better. Let me just show you. You can go to chapter 3, verses 14 and 19 in Ephesians. Uh, That's the second powerful prayer in Ephesians. He says, I pray that you might have the power to grasp how awesome the love of Christ is for you. And I would argue... He's praying that they might know Jesus better and his love and how awesome the love of Jesus is for them. And if you go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's the right relationship that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, everywhere you see Paul praying for the church at Ephesus, for the church at Philippi, For the church at Colossae, he's praying, I'm praying constantly that you'll know Jesus better. 
That, that's, that's the key thing that Paul prays over and over and over again. And again, it's never an appeal for a change in their circumstances. Dear Lord, I, I'm praying that you'll protect them from the Romans. Lord, I pray that you'll protect them from the Jews. And by the way, they were under attack. The early church was under attack from the Romans and from the Jews. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll protect them from disease or starvation. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll help them with their homesickness because many of them were driven out of their homes. I, I, I pray that you'll protect them from cholera or disease. Just, just give me your eyes. There's none of those things prayed about. And it's not that those are wrong things to pray about, but that's not what Paul prays about. Paul prays, Lord, here's the key essential. Uh, th this is core. This matters more than anything else. I pray that the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, that they might know Jesus Christ better. And can I suggest <laughs> that should be the key core essential thing that we're praying for the people around us and for ourselves. You might want to write that down. We've got a place for your notes, okay? And then you can go to sleep if you're prone to sleep on Sundays, okay? You got the big idea, now you can drift away. But, but again, here's the idea. I'm praying constantly. I'm not quitting on this one. I'm praying, and the idea here is I'm praying, and I'm going to continue to pray and ask that you might know Jesus better. You see, Paul sees something that's fuller and richer and more important than a change in circumstances, which is usually what most of us are praying about. Lord, please change my circumstance. I'm not liking this situation. I'm not liking this circumstance. I'm not liking it's painful what I'm going through right now. And that's not what Paul prays about. He says, no, no, there's something that's far more important, far more essential, and that's that you'll know Jesus better. You'll come into a deeper and richer relationship with Jesus the Christ. So, let's just pause for a moment and ask, why? Why, Paul, don't you pray for a change in circumstances? You didn't ask that for yourself, you're in prison, things aren't going well, you're going to lose your head shortly. So why didn't you pray for a change in circumstances? Well, first of all, if the Lord does answer your prayer for a change, make my circumstances easier and better and more comfortable. Give me your eyes. Usually when things get better and lighten up, and now they're good and easy, then I say to Jesus, what? Thanks for answering my prayer. I'll call again when things get tough. And we tend to say, I think I can handle this one. <laughs> I can handle life now because things have eased up and they're better. And I can do it in my own power and my own resources. I'm going to be okay. And you know what that's called? We talked about it last week. What is it? It's pride. It, and the Lord says, I hate pride. When you are acting proud... You are on the other team. 
So when you're praying for circumstances to ease up, you're not actually praying always, matter of fact, often a good thing for those people you're praying about. Or if you got bad circumstances and you don't know Jesus better, track with me, what does that lead to? I don't really know Jesus well. I got my fire insurance. I raised a hand. I, I got my ticket to heaven. I don't really know Jesus. And then bad circumstances come. What does that lead to? If you really don't know Jesus, it leads to discouragement. <laughs> it leads to despair. It leads to fear. It need, leads to anxiety. Uh, man, it leads to frustration and anger. Um, again, when we pray for a change in circumstances, we're not actually doing those people a favor. Here's, here's a question. What's it mean to know Jesus better? What's it mean if Paul was all about, I'm praying that they'll know Jesus Christ better, and he prayed that over and over and over again. What does that mean? The word know means to know someone deeply, personally, intimately. Let's just pause for a moment. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. So he's not writing to pagans. He's not writing to people who didn't know Jesus as their Savior, right? They already knew Jesus, but he's writing to people who knew Jesus, but he's saying that's not where you stop. You got to keep going. You need to know Jesus in a fuller and a richer and a deeper way. Because when circumstances go poorly, you're going to need that relationship to be strong. Amen? And if you just kind of know him, I know enough to squeak my way into heaven, when the bottom drops out, it's going to be bad. It's going to be missing. So Paul was all about praying that they'll know in a deeper, richer, fuller way, Jesus Christ. Let me explain. If you show me a picture of our president, I know who that picture is. Oh, that's President Trump, right? I, I know what he looks like, but listen closely, I don't know him. I, I've never met him. I, I've, never, I've never sat down and talked. I've never spent time with him, and, and he doesn't know me from Adam's apple, right? You know, he, he knows nothing about me. So when you're talking about no, it's not that kind of no I know about. I can identify. Instead, it's more like I, I know my wife, who I've been married to for 35 years. And, and I know her, and she knows me, and there's a personal, close relationship. That's what the word to know Jesus better is talking about. Paul is praying, track with me, that the church at Ephesus might be excited and passionate to go deeper in their daily relationship with Christ and that, that relationship would grow and would be rich and would be personal. Paul wants them to know Jesus better. Give me your eyes. And I think Jesus wants you and me to know him better, too. Now, slide down 
Ephesians 1, I want you to look at the next verse because he gives us some fuller insight into knowing Jesus better. And I think he gives us that next idea, not just, Lord, I pray that my son, my daughter, my grandchildren, this guy at work, my fellow small group members will know Jesus better. But he takes us a step more and look at verse 18. It says this, um, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray, Paul says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Your heart has eyes. Did you know that? (laughs) Your heart has eyes. He's not referring to the organ in your chest here. Okay, he's not... You can put your hand on your, on, on your heart right now. Feel it beating right now? That's not what he's talking about. Biblically, the heart refers to the real you and the real me. Our hearts are the place where decisions are made. Our hearts control what our values are. You understand? Our, our hearts are determining which direction we go and which choices we make. That's what he's talking about when he says, our hearts. So, every important decision you and I will ever make begins in our hearts. (laughs) And our hearts have eyes that either can be wide open or what's the alternative? Any guesses? Or shut, okay? So, my heart, your heart, is either open or it's shut. When our hearts, the eyes of our heart, are shut to the Lord, that's a bad place to be. We stumble through life. We make one foolish, dumb choice after another. We fall into sinful patterns. We, we make uh, sinful behaviors a regular part of our life. That's walking around with your heart, the eyes of your heart, shut, tight. And I'm just telling you, we, we end up driving into one foolish ditch and move to one sad relationship after another. Why? Why do we do that? Are you ready? This answers that. Because our spiritual eyes are shut. Got it, balcony? Our spiritual eyes are blind to the truth of God's light. And when our eyes spiritually are shut, it takes us to really bad places. And I think most of us understand, because many of us have been there, and and it's ugly. Uh, Here's my question. How many of you have a prodigal in your life right now that they're walking around with their spiritual eyes shut? Can I see hands? Okay? Okay. This is someone who knows better. They know God's Word. They were raised to know Christ. They were raised knowing God's Word. They, They profess Jesus as Savior, And now they're acting and behaving foolishly. They're hanging around with people they got no business hanging around with. Uh, Suddenly now they think getting drunk is fun and funny, and they're really uh, not understanding why you don't want to participate with them. They're uh, sleeping around, they're cheating, they're cutting corners in life. That's, That's where prodigals live in sinful and wild living. They know God, 
but their lives are so filled with the things of this world, they're blind. They become blind to God's truth. You tracking? I'm just telling you, it happens. So here's the options, okay? If you've, got a, if you've got a prodigal in your life, here's option A. Are you ready? Yell at them. Lecture them. Badger them. Threaten them. This is always a good one. Quote scripture at them. Uh, that's option A, and I wish you well on that. Uh, showing... They're just showing you, this is where I'm at right now. Um, they're showing you that their eyes are closed to the truth of God's word. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't speak up when it's appropriate. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're not going to badger and hound and yell and threaten someone back to walk with Jesus. That, that's what I'm saying. And until their eyes are opened, all the yelling, badgering, threatening scripture, quoting, is not going to make a lick of difference. So, what will make a difference? Glad you asked. There's option B, okay? And here's how Paul says, pray that your prodigal might know Jesus better. Okay, that's good. Anything more? Yeah. Pray that the eyes of their heart, Lord, might be opened. Open the eyes of my prodigal's heart because when the floodgates and the floodlight of your truth comes in, I'm just telling you, in due time, when, when your truth comes rolling in and their eyes start opening up, Jesus' stuff starts happening. Matter of fact, did you know we have a song that we sing that's all about that? Clint, can you put that up? Because here's that song, and did you know it's talking about this? You know, it's, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Come on, not a solo. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Okay, well, we're going to pause. We're going to sing just again. Leave it up there, Clint. Uh, but I think it starts, that's appropriate. It starts with me. Lord, help me to have my heart and the eyes of my heart wide open, right? So it starts with me uh, right with the Lord and right, and my eyes are open to Jesus and spiritual truth and the leading of his spirit. Um, but then you can change the words. Did you know that? Open the eyes of my loved one's heart, Lord. Open the eyes of their heart. I want them to see you. I want them to see you. See, for me, I, 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 I pray and think best in song. So however it works best for you, okay? Uh, but I'm just telling you, we sing about this, this stuff all the time. And, and that's, what, that's what the writer is saying. That's what Paul is saying. Um, and, and just so you know, as your children and your grandchildren get older, it's sobering to realize how little control we actually have. Have you noticed that? As your children get older, um, suddenly uh, you can't order them or compel them or ground them or lose them privileges because they don't live at your house anymore. And suddenly you, you, you truly, you've lost control. <laughs> Give me your eyes. 
I have good news. There's something way more effective than trying to order and control, and that's to approach the throne room of the emperor of the universe. Imagine, and he says, come on in, run in boldly, and you can just say, King Jesus, help this person I love so much to know you better. And I want to go another step. King Jesus, would you open the eyes of their hearts toward you? Soften up that that heart, and, and might they start seeing the light of your truth. And I'm just telling you, and we don't quit. See, that's the problem. We grow weary. We grow distracted. We grow impatient. Oh, I prayed about that for a week. Do you remember the persistent widow? Luke chapter 18. She determined in her mind, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pester that judge until he responds to me. Do you remember the shamelessly audacious neighbor in Luke chapter 11? And he came in the middle of the night to his neighbor's door and he starts knocking and I'm not going away until you come to the door and give me some food. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit knocking. Lord, this is essential. And I'm going to quit praying, Lord, change their circumstances. And I'm going to start praying in line with what we see Paul prays about. Lord, help them to know Jesus better in the middle of this circumstance. Use this situation to open the eyes of their heart. Most uh, people today base their inner life, and we tend to do this, on our outward circumstances. And that's a problem. (laughs) I'm doing well at work. People think highly of me. I'm getting along well with my wife, with my husband, with my children. My finances are pretty good. Therefore, I'm pretty happy. Because my outward, I'm content. I'm satisfied. Because things in, in my situation, my circumstance are going well. But if my outward circumstances go south, track with me now. Uh, I, I hate my job. I don't think anybody thinks much of me. Things are bad at home. My finances are a wreck. If I'm basing how I feel on my outward circumstances, how am I right now? Anybody? Anybody? I'm, I'm messed up. I'm miserable. I'm worried. I'm frustrated with life. Uh, I, I am one mean, ornery person. Why? Because my circumstances are not going well. Paul is trying to teach us here. God's book is trying to say, followers of Jesus, just the exact opposite should be going on. Uh, the relationship to our outward circumstances should be reversed. In other words, our peace and our joy should be based on our daily relationship with Jesus. Are you tracking? My, my peace, my joy, uh, what, I'm, what I'm feeling today should have everything to do with uh, how much does Jesus love me today? He loves me sacrificially and unconditionally 
and eternally, oh yeah, I remember now. And that's not going away. And if I forget, I look to the cross. And oh yeah, it's that constant reminder of how much he loves me. Again, if we focus our attention on the outward circumstances, much of the time I'm going to uh, have an inner life that's dark and scary. Why? Because we live in a dark and a scary world a lot of the time, don't we? So if you're, you're basing how you're feeling on the inside from, from what's going on on the outside, a whole bunch of the time you're going to be afraid and fearful and worried and frustrated and angry because your circumstances are bad. And Paul's saying, no, no, there's, there's a way better way to live. And that's to come to know Jesus better. And he's front and center and daily walking with Jesus and having the eyes of my heart wide open to Jesus and his book and the leading of his spirit. Suddenly now, even when the world is dark and scary, there can be peace and joy and love and lots of good kindness coming out of my life, flowing. At any given moment in your life and mind, give me your eyes, either the world is at the center of your life, which means... If you're a follower of Jesus here, and, and, and the world is at the center of your life, what have you done with Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus? <laughs> Come over here, Jesus, and I'm going to push you off to the, to the side here because i got some other things that I think are more important and more of a priority. Or, at any given time, Jesus Christ is at the center of your life, and what have you done with all the other things? What have you done with them? You've pushed them off to the side and said, thank you, but, but Jesus rules and reigns and is the king here. Now, here, here's the challenge. You ready? Many, if not most of us, we've allowed the world and all the cares and the concerns and the worries, and I could start listing things, music, Internet, television, possessions, all the things that... But Lots of things have caused us to say, well, that must be the most important thing, and we shove Jesus off to the side, and then we wonder why we're feeling fearful and worried and why, why anger and frustration are ruling and reigning in our lives. I'll tell you what we just did. You know what we did? We pushed Jesus off to the side, and, and we let all that this world has to offer be the main thing. And I would argue that Paul is saying, no, here's the main thing in life. To know Jesus better. <laughs> to walk daily with Jesus. And to daily be praying. First of all, you ready? Pray for me. Lord Jesus, I want to know you better. I, I want to know you better. Deeper today than I did yesterday or last week or last month or last year. And, and Jesus, would you keep the eyes of my heart, my spiritual eyes, wide open on you. So start with you, because I, I don't know about you, but I need to be praying for me, and you need to be praying for you, okay? Uh, and then move on to the people you love. And what a great thing to pray for your prodigals, right? Lord, help my prodigal who's wandered away, and they're living in wild, sinful living. Lord, would you help them to begin to know you better and, 
And Lord, to start that process, would you slowly start opening the eyes of their heart? <laughs> and I'm not going to give up on that, Lord. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to do it for a week. Lord, I'm just going to keep knocking and banging on that one until you've responded. Could the reason we don't see more powerful and effective answers to our prayers be because we're all about, Jesus, change my circumstances. <laughs> this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying this. Lord, please make this pain go away. And if that's the focus of most of our prayers, it's no wonder we give up praying. It's no wonder because we don't see a lot of change. And when we do, actually, it gets worse for us and the people around us. What's Jesus saying? No. The key, core, essential matter to be praying about for yourself and other people, I'm praying that you'll know Jesus better, deeper, more intimate. And, and guess what? I've already started praying for, for you, church at Walloon, my friends. I've already started. Lord, help them to know you in a deeper, richer, more intimate way. And Lord, I pray for my friends here at Walloon that you might open the eyes of their heart. And, and if, if they've pushed you off to the, to the edge, and if they've got other things, Lord, open their eyes slowly at first and help them to realize that you're the main thing. <laughs> Knowing you is where real life begins. Could it be the reason we don't see more powerful answers to our prayers is we're praying about the wrong things. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes, would you? And, and I'm just telling you, it starts with you. It starts with me. It's, it's easy to quickly run off to that prodigal, that person who's living in a wild and sinful way. But before you go there, would you start with yourself? Would you say, Lord, how does this apply to me? Would you dare to say, even out loud, Jesus, I, I want to know you better. I want to know you in a deeper, richer, more intimate way. And I'm just going to keep knocking on heaven's door with that request. That's where it begins. Jesus, I, I want to know you better. I want to encourage you right now, right where you're seated. Would you be willing to say that out loud? Just, just say it right where you're at. Jesus, I want to know you better. If you really do, if that's, if that's the desire of your heart, Jesus, I want to know you better. And then that, that next step is, Jesus, would you open the eyes of my heart? 
Very well may be there's some areas that my eyes are shut to, things that I've allowed in, uh, maybe even footholds or strongholds that need to get shoved out. And the only way you become aware of those is when you say, Jesus, would you open the eyes of my heart? Would you do that right now, right where you're seated? Jesus, say it right out loud. You don't have to be ashamed. Be bold right now. Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. It starts with me. Yeah. And I need to start praying that for me. I want to know you better. Make me hungry to know you better. And Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. And then now we go to the people that you care about deeply. Your family members, your friends. Maybe that lost person. What a great thing to pray for them. That prodigal in your life. Lord, would you help me to become just obsessed as Paul was. I pray continuously, he says, for you. That you might know Jesus better. I pray continuously that the eyes of your heart might be opened. Lord, help me not to give up easily. Help me not to get distracted or impatient. Lord, uh, help me to hang in there and keep praying this for my loved ones, to keep praying this for that prodigal that I care deeply about in my life. Lord, thank you for recording this, this prayer and all the prayers of the Apostle Paul. And I believe, Lord, uh, you recorded these prayers because these are the essential things that we should be praying about. Lord, it's so easy to be praying about change my circumstances. Lord, help us to go to where you are. Back to our relationship with your son. Back to walking and having our eyes open clearly to you, to allowing you to be the core, central focus of our lives. Lord, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know your son Jesus personally, they've never said yes by faith, Lord, would you make them realize how how much they're missing? (laughs) Would you help them to understand how much your son Jesus loves them? So much that he went to the cross, shed his blood for their sin problem, took their place in the tomb an early Sunday morning, arose from the dead, defeated sin and Satan and death. And he did that for you.